we have this assumption somehow that part of my job description is to make sure my child turns out right. Yeah. Whatever, quote, right means. Behave all the time, sure. look nice all the time, always say please and thank you all the time. Mm. That's not my job description as a parent. You may be feeling as though your parenting role includes too many boxes that need to be checked in order for you to succeed. Well, that was Tim Sanford offering key strategies for parenting success in the preschool years and beyond by taking the pressure off and focusing on what the role of a parent really is. Graham, you were able to interview Tim when you were last in the States, and I know you enjoyed hearing from him what a low-pressure strategy to parenting is all about and how to put that strategy into practice. Yes, Alison, I had a great conversation with Tim, and I felt as though he offered really simple and practical suggestions for raising children in those formative preschool years. And I think there is a lot of pressure, I think particularly on moms, to do everything perfectly. And part of what we do here at Focus is to be real and honest and let parents know that we all have our struggles. You and I have our struggles. Nobody has it all perfectly. But there are principles that we can put in place that will help towards our greater goal of preparing these kids for their destiny. And we also want to give practical help and ideas. And I think Tim has some great strategies to share. Well, let's go now to that recorded discussion and hear how we can adopt those low-pressure parenting tools ourselves. Well, as parents of three young girls, and the youngest being five, we're in the midst of the fun and sometimes challenging and certainly busy parenting years. Uh, It's great to have Tim Sanford offer some advice to help alleviate the pressure for us moms and dads of preschoolers. Tim's a full-time member of the counseling staff at Focus on the Family in the U.S. After many years in private practice and part-time with Focus, it's great to have you with us on Focus on the Family Africa, Tim. Graham, it's great to be here. Thank you. Well, Tim, maybe we can start by uh, you telling us a little bit about your family and uh, your memory of your kids uh, and those parenting years when they were young. I have two married daughters. They've both been married 10 years or more, so that's the era that I'm in. So we're empty nest for a number of years now. And thinking back through, part of their years growing up, particularly as preschoolers, we were in a camping ministry, so we lived... In the Colorado mountains, we were surrounded by a national forest, and my one daughter likes to kind of mention that they grew up (laughs) semi-feral, kind of a little bit semi-wild, and so that's that's their memory of how we grew up, and I mean, they grew up, you know, watching the animals come and go, they grew up rock climbing, and that was just their history growing up, so that was my background at the time before I came into my career as a counselor. Yeah. Well, Tim, you talk about giving children choices. What is it about giving children choices that's so important? The reason for giving choices is they need to learn that they have a voice. And this ties in with God gave them free will, and there's nothing you're going to do to take it away from them necessarily, and it's not your job to. And if they don't learn that they have a voice and don't learn how to use that voice, they're going to be real susceptible to being victimized either by a spouse or by an employer or just run over. Because as we become older, part of our defenses that we use to keep ourselves safe is our voice. We're allowed to speak up. And since our voice is so powerful, 
Yeah. Which scares us as parents sometimes. <laughs> they need some a more lot. Some powerful than others. Yes, yeah, some more powerful <laughs> and loud than others. They need to learn and have a lot of practice at how to use that powerful voice yeah. wisely yeah. and that choice wisely. So giving them the choice is, is part of the training, is what you're saying. It's part of the training. And it can be very simple as, okay, honey, do you want one cookie or two cookies? Yeah. Now, most of the time, the children going to ask for two. <laughs> That's an easy okay, answer. Yes. Um, <laughs> or do you want to wear your sandals or your tennis shoes? Do you yeah. want to wear your green shorts or your blue long pants? Yeah. So it's not anything that's going to be dangerous safety-wise. Sure. It's little choices like that. What they learn is I can have a choice, yeah. and when I speak up, somebody listens to my voice. Yeah. Yeah. The parents are still in control. Yeah. I'm old-fashioned. It's my house. It's my rules. I'm the parent. So that's important to keep. So I am making the guidelines. I'm offering what's acceptable and what's not. So yeah. I, as a parent, I'm in control. Yeah. Now, within that, they can then choose. Yeah. Um, the One of the stories I, I put in that is when we were living at the camp, we were at 9,000 feet elevation. And in the yeah. wintertime, there's lots of snow. Yeah. And it was oh more than a half hour drive to church on Sunday. Yeah. So... My one daughter is about two years old at the time. As we're getting her ready, okay, do you want to wear your tennis shoes or your snow boots? Yeah. Now, I know already that either choice that she makes is acceptable to me. Yeah, and that's part of the point, hey? Yes. You, you're making sure that those choices you're offering are going to be okay with you. Yes, and so it's not that I'm letting my child run the show. No, I'm in control either choice. And I'll offer it something like, okay, honey, do you want to wear your tennis shoes or your snow boots? Yay for snow boots. We like snow boots. <laughs> There's my influence. Okay. Because the yeah. snow boots are the smarter choice. Yeah. And if she chooses her <laughs> tennis shoes, which she yeah. did a yeah. couple of times, and along the way, her feet got cold. Mommy, my feet are getting cold. Oh, <laughs> oh, poor toes. They got cold. I wonder if the toes would like the snow boots better next time. Yeah. So it's a teaching yeah. time, okay. no danger, because that's yeah. an important part. And then so next Sunday, same question, tennis shoes or snow boots? Yay for the snow boots. Yeah. Well, I think I want tennis shoes. Do your toes want the tennis shoes? So again, I'm not manipulating. Yeah. She still has a choice. Yeah. And when she chooses snow boots and her toes are warm, the, the key thing here with this, Graham, is to come back afterwards, after the choice has been made, and talk through the benefits or the consequences of the choice they made and yeah. say, okay, you know, next time maybe the snow boots would be better. Or, yeah, you picked the snow boots. Your toes are happy, aren't they? <laughs> I know we're talking about preschoolers specifically, but does this change? Obviously, it's, it is also age appropriate. As they grow older, you're going to be giving a wider variety of choice or allowing even greater freedom. Is that correct? As they grow older, two things happen. One, you're going to give them more choices and more options. Number two is the choices that they're faced with have a greater consequence many times related to them. Yeah. If they get into, let's say, middle school or even high school, the choice is do my homework or don't do my homework. There's a bigger consequence there than one cookie versus two cookies. And that's where it gets scary for us as parents of, mm. I don't want them to be hurt, and so I try to restrict their choices. Yeah. And that's where I start in the preschool years of training that choice. Yeah. Again, another story that my daughters like to remind me of, because 
we gave them choices very regularly, snow boots and things like yeah. that. Um, we started hiking what we call here in Colorado 14ers, the, yeah. the mountain tops that are 14,000 feet or taller. And so I had done my reconnaissance and I knew there was snow still on the top of this one you know, mountain that we were going to climb. And I suggested it would be wise to wear long pants, wear your boots, and I gave them the good suggestions. Yeah. And they chose to wear their tennis shoes and short pants. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be a trend here. Yeah. Yes, there, there tends to be, yeah. You know, if Dad says it, we want to do it something else. Um, and so I let them make those choices. Yeah. Now, I knew the consequences would be a little bit more dire yeah. than the one cookie versus two. So what I did, without them knowing about it, I packed extra clothes into my backpack. Yeah. So as we got up the hill a ways and climbing up the mountain, my one daughter got cold, hmm. which I knew it, and so... <laughs> Out comes a jacket. Mm. You know, we got going, got colder still. Out come some gloves. Yeah. So I provided safety for them. Okay. They also, though, felt the cold, Graham. Yeah. So they did felt you, a little bit of the delay misery. it a little bit before you. Uh, a little uh, bit, for yeah. For a teachable moment. For, exactly. <laughs> my, my wife is an educator, so everything's a teachable moment. And, and yes, and that's part of it is I don't want to just quote, rescue them too quickly. Sure. They need to learn the benefits and also the consequences of those choices, yeah. I still reminded them and pulled out the hat, the gloves, the jacket, a second jacket, and we made it to the summit. They were right. The thing is, is they still remember that to this day. Yeah. And when they were in, they took their own uh, mountaineering trip now with their husbands, and they were in the Patagonia not too long ago, and they carry hats, gloves, <laughs> Because they've learned their lesson very well. Yeah, yeah. So you talk about giving choices, being, uh, giving them a voice. But is it also about managing their freedom? Because that's the reality in life. As we grow, there is freedom, and yet there are also boundaries. And so we have to manage our freedom well. Um, so is that part of the training and giving them choices, is that they learn to manage their freedom? They learn to manage their freedom because all three of these go together. We talk about their voice, we talk about making choices, and we talk about their freedom. All three of these are related. Yeah. And so you're exactly right. Since my voice, my choice is so powerful, I need to use it wisely. And like the scriptures talk about, I need to be careful with how I express my freedom yeah. for the good or for the bad, wise or foolish. So they're all woven together, and I mean, history has shown us when an entire country or an entire society does not have choice, yeah. they don't have voice, what generally follows, they don't have freedom. Yeah. So they go together, Graham, with that, and that's part of what helps them feel that sense of strong and powerful, and that sense of, I do have freedoms, ooh, here's the consequences. One of the things that we taught our kids is what I call the three rules of life. My wife has since taken these, and she teaches them in her elementary school grades. She taught fourth grade for a number of years. Now she teaches fifth, and she teaches her students these. Yeah. Three rules of life. These are not mom and dad rules. These are not <laughs> society rules. These are just if you're a living human being, these three rules apply. And they go like this. Rule number one, you live and you die by your own choices. Mm. Yes, other people influence us. Society, circumstances impact us, obviously, sure. yes. Bottom line, though, you live and die by your own choices. 
And when I'm giving a presentation with teenagers in the audience, you know, I'll see a lot of them look over their their dad or their mom and go, yeah, it's my life. Let me choose. <laughs> and and I tell the parents, go ahead and smirk. Rule two and three is coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rule number one tends to be scary for us as parents because your yeah. child will live or die by their choices, not by yours. Yeah. Don't give up hope yet. <laughs> rule number two, it's in the form of a question. It's still a rule that says, are you going to choose smart or are you going to choose foolish? Yeah. Now, some choices are also legal versus illegal, yeah. moral versus immoral. Yes. Sure. Since you live and die by those choices of yours, rule number one, are your choices going to be wise or foolish? Yeah. And when I work with teenagers in my private practice and even with adults, we sometimes say, well, I don't think this is foolish. I don't think this. I don't think that. I don't agree with. And I smile at them and say, the smart list and the foolish list was written long before you were born, <laughs> long before I was born too, and they're going to last long after we're both dead. Mm. You don't write the list. Yeah. God's word writes the list, yeah. and to a smaller degree, society does in that order though. Well, I don't believe in God. Well, that's your choice. That happens to be on the stupid list. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that, that's <laughs> foolish. So are you going to choose wisely, smart, or are you going to choose foolishly? Because rule number three says there's always somebody or some circumstance that's going to make your life miserable when you choose foolish. Yeah. I mean, th that's just the way the world yeah. goes round. Yeah, that's the way God designed it. And so, yes. And, and so I go over these three rules over and over again with our children when they were growing up, with the adolescents that I worked with in my practice. Rule number one, yes, yes. And I give them that you have the power mm. to make those choices because mm. you live and die by yours. God gave it to you. It's called free will. I can't take it away. Yeah. My question, though, is why are you so wanting to choose the foolish? Mm. Well, I don't think. No, no, remember, you don't get to decide what is. Mm. The list is already here. Isn't it going to be better to choose wisely? Because rule number three is going to come back and bite you when you choose foolish. Mm. Is there any time when you don't give choice because I can imagine maybe your response on this but there are times where we don't have a choice even in, as adults we don't have a choice whether we get to stop at the red lights or not that's kind of enforced and I, I imagine you saying well yes you do still have a choice you can go through and get killed very stupid choice I suppose and, and that's, know, on the, that's on the foolish, on the foolish list, list right list. because but do we ever say to our kids with certain things no this is how it is and you don't get a choice in this we're going to give you a choice in all of these other areas but there's some areas where just like the red light we want to train from from young that there's, there's no choice involved here or is that not the case you mentioned an interesting word train mm. because I can train them to choose wisely I can train them to choose the smart list because you're right, and this was Viktor Frankl's statement in Man's Search for Meaning when he said, everything can be taken from a man except the right to choose one's own way. Hmm. You can never take a person's choice away from them. Yeah. God did not do that to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. Hmm. Now, if it's a safety issue for my child, I will intervene. Sure. Okay. And I'm not going to give them a choice. Do you want to play in the middle of the freeway or in our backyard? <laughs> sure. Again, yeah. no, I'm not going to yeah. give them that choice. And if I have to physically intervene for their safety's sake, you bet I will. Mm. 
mm. like when we were climbing the, the, the mountain. I did not let them choose dangerously. Yeah, yeah. I made sure that they were going to be safe. So that's yeah. where I don't offer them the choice. Mm. Um, if it comes down to, well, I don't want to eat vegetables at all. Mm. Well, that is a health issue. Yeah. So it's not a matter of will you or won't you eat vegetables. It's yeah. do you want carrots the carrots or, or do you yeah. want the peas? <laughs> okay. You can choose. Sure. So sure. I, I want to rearrange the yeah. choice so they yeah. have choice and still yeah. Yeah. they're being safe. It's so choices that's within boundaries that are acceptable to you as yes. parents. Yeah. You know, you yeah. mentioned the the stoplight, you know, here, you know, our highways have speed limit signs and it's a black sign or white sign with black letters. Does that make you go the speed limit? No. No. What makes you go the speed limit is your foot on the accelerator. Mm. Now, you still choose to obey the speed limit and the law because you don't want to get a, a speeding ticket maybe. Yeah. So is following the speed limit on the smart list or on the foolish list? It's on the smart list. Yeah. Now, if my wife is delivering a baby and I'm driving to the hospital, I'm not probably going <laughs> to follow the speed limit sign because it's a greater issue right now. Yeah. I still need to be wise and safe. Yeah. So we do always have that choice, and that's where I need to train, mm. teach, teach, yeah. repeat, repeat how to use it wisely. And yeah. here's the benefits of choosing what's wise and smart. Yeah. Do you find you need to give always two choices, or is it often a case where you might have multiple choices? It's one, two, three, or four. Or does that depend on the age of the child? It depends on the age of the child because a young child can be overwhelmed. Yeah. You go into a candy store yeah. and pick whatever you want. Sure. It's too much. So often two or three is probably yeah. helpful. So, and again, as they get older, they're able to handle more options and choices if they're still yeah. within that guideline that's yeah. acceptable. So it is age appropriate yeah. for the child. And it's about influencing them rather than controlling them. I think... I find so often that parents have this assumption that their role as a parent is to control, to have these obedient kids under their control uh, for as long as they have them in the house and then release them into the world. Um, but that isn't the purpose of parenting. It really is training, as we've been saying. It's raising them up for the destiny that God has for them. And yet there is an, an influence that we have over them as parents so we give them choices, but there is a, a leaning uh, that we would offer or even allowing the consequences as part of our influencing them towards making those wise, healthy choices rather than the foolish right. choices. Well, and I think one of the things a lot of times, particularly for well-meaning parents and well-meaning Christian parents is we have this assumption somehow that part of my job description is to make sure my child turns out right. Yeah. Whatever, quote, right means behave all the time, sure. look nice all the time, always say please and thank you all the time. Mm. That's not my job description as a parent. Yeah. But we put it on, and I think part of what the Christian community can do to be helpful to parents is stop judging each other as parents based on how our children yeah. are acting at the moment. Because yeah. you see that, oh, did you see the Smith's children? Oh, hmm. I mean, we <laughs> hear that. And, yeah. we, and parents, you feel that. Yeah. And that's yeah. a lot of pressure, undue pressure. And the difference between control and influence is this. Control is when you are the only variable to the outcome. Yeah. Influence is when you're one of a number of 
variables to the outcome. It's okay. the difference between running the 100-meter race and running the 400-meter relay. Yeah. With the 100-meter race, it's up to you, you only. Yeah. In the relay, you're one of four people that have an influence on the outcome. Yeah. And our job as parents is not to control. It is to influence. Yeah. And we influence very powerfully through choices, through our examples, through having our child do, let's do a do-over, practice yeah. again. That is our job, is to influence our children. Yeah. How do we take the pressure off the title of your book, The Low Pressure Guide to Parenting Your Preschooler? And there is a lot of pressure on on parents in that phase. Um, and we've talked about, I think, the choices is, is a key part of that. Um, and then you've raised how we... We have expectations on other parents or, or we feel the expectations on us. How do we lift the, the lid on that pressure, as it were? Let me give a little bit of background on that. For the most part, since the beginning of, of human history, parents have been uneducated and illiterate well, until the, the printing press came into being. So we didn't have parenting books, yeah. and yet they did a pretty good job. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Yeah. And so what I did in the Low Pressure Guide for Parenting Your Preschool book is to make it easier and less stressful for parents, I, I boiled the parenting journey down to four overarching principles. Yeah. Number one, shrink your job description. It's not your job to make sure they turn out right. Yeah. It's also not your job to make sure you do everything right and perfect either. Yeah. The second thing is, as we've been talking about choices, become friends with free will. Yeah. They have God-given free will. Yeah. Learn and work with that. And those two things will reduce a lot of the power struggles that you have sure. you know, with your children. And the, the fourth thing that I mentioned in the book is reduce the rules. Yeah. Don't be a rules. Because if you have 5,264 rules... <laughs> Are you going to remember all those every day as a parent? No. <laughs> Are you going to expect your three-year-old to remember? <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Do they care to remember? No, they're not. So the less rules you have, the mm. better. And again, so if we do those four things, it mm. does make it more doable. Yeah, yeah. You talk about nurturing and validating them. And I've seen that in my own family, particularly with our youngest um, who's in that preschool phase and just how can be very emotional. And I think it's part of her personality as well. But validating those emotions rather than what can be my tendency is as a maybe as a man or a less emotional personality type to just say, oh, you know, stop it or get over it. Um, speak a, a little bit about how we nurture and validate them in those preschool years. When you mention nurture and validate, now you're hitting that what is my job, what is on my job description as a dad and a mom. Yeah. Um, and again, single parents can do both, yeah. and, and it takes a little bit more work. That's doable. Classically, though, for dads, my main job is to validate. And what I mean by that is, kid, you're okay. You're good enough. I hear you. You're an okay kid. Yeah. Your grades may not be okay. You're an okay kid. I'm proud of you. You're good enough. You're okay. Yeah. And they need to hear that in my voice, in my smiles, mm. in my when I attend their, their soccer match. Mm. They need to know you're an okay kid. Yeah. And when you have an opinion, when you have a feeling, mm. I validate that. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with it, sure. but I validate that. Yeah. And that means 
you're okay. Yeah. I hear you. You yeah. get it. You're good enough. You yeah. belong here. I'm yeah. proud of you. So moms, dads, if you validate and if you nurture, and that's not having to be perfect, you can put your head on the pillow at night and know for sure that you have done God's given job description to you. Those are the two big, huge things to do. All of the other things, as far as teaching, training, paying for things, driving them places, uh, attending their ballets, all of those things, you know, playing songs at night in the crib, those are great and those are yeah. good. Yeah. So do those. Don't feel the pressure of having to do those because you validate, you nurture, bingo, that's job accomplished. Hmm. Tim Sanford, author of the book, the low-pressure guide to parenting your preschool. And well, it's been helpful to me. It's really been great to have you with us. Thanks for being with us. It's been a joy to be here, Graham. Thank you. You know, Graham, two things stood out for me in your conversation with Tim. The first was the choices strategy, where we offer choices that are acceptable to us as parents in order to give our children a voice and affirm that they're allowed to have an opinion. And the second was the importance of validation and affirmation. Yes, I agree, Alison. And particularly that advice to nurture and validate is such an important thing to remember. Over and above making sure that they look presentable and achieving in school and they can share their toys happily with a friend. And those are good things. But let them know that they are powerful people and that they are good enough and that you're proud of them. Absolutely. Well, the good news is that Tim has penned his ideas and strategies in a book called The Low Pressure Guide to Parenting Your Preschooler. And in it, he distills the mountain of parenting advice and material down to four overarching principles that are clear and doable, which of course makes the job of parenting simpler and reduces the stress that parents feel when it comes to parenting. You can find that online at safamily.co.za or give us a call on 031-716-3300 to order your copy. I also want to mention the parenting assessment that we have on our website. It's quick and easy and it gives parents an honest look at their unique strengths and their growth areas as well. And you'll find that on our website at safamily.co. We're so glad that you could join us today for Focus on the Family Africa. I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.